Hi everyone, how are you doing today? We have a special, special guest today. Um, could you uh, describe yourself to our listeners at Asiana Post? Sure, my name is Rosalind Alba Cobarubius. It's a long name, but it's my mom and my dad's last name. <laughs> I am a Filipino entrepreneur uh, as well as a marketing executive. So my job is to really help brands, artists, influencers gain you know, awareness or exposure in whatever market or industry that they're targeting. Right now, I am the ABS-CBN Global Head of Music and Talent and helping internationalize the music, the, ta- the talent, and the content, uh, specifically from uh, artists as well as talent and creators of Filipino descent from around the world. Um, for over 20 years, I've worked in the music industry in different areas, but mostly in marketing. Um, I've helped launch a couple of companies like MySpace.com, as well as my own called MyDivio. Um, and now I'm here at ABS-CBN doing what I love and really looking to help connect the dots for uh, these, these talent creators and, and reaching an, a new global international audience. Great. And um, can you uh, explain to our listeners how how did you start uh, collaborating or working for MySpace? Can you tell us the story? Sure, yeah. So back in 2003, I was a club promoter uh, as well as an event producer and, and a DJ. So I hosted a radio show, an underground hip-hop radio show featuring artists that were new at the time. So Most Deaf, Black Eyed Peas, The Far Side, A Tribe Called Quest, etc., and on the, at, on the weekends, I would host different nightclubs with this DJ who's very high profile now. His name is DJ Vice. He usually has a residency uh, in Las Vegas um, and travels the world, um, you know, a, as a DJ. But we were both starting out. He was on the radio at Power 106. And um, I started, you know, getting a lot of artists come onto the radio show as well as play at these live events that I eventually started uh looking for jobs specifically in bringing artists and musicians and and record labels etc together and i found this company called NARAP, which is the national association of record industry professionals so it's a networking organization where they would put together panels workshops um you know showcases for people specifically in the music industry at all the major record labels publishing companies as well as artists themselves Uh, my boss tess taylor uh, was the president she was really great at helping connect the dots whether it was for artists labels or just startup music companies uh, looking to you know gain their footing in the industry by connecting them with the right folks at one of these conferences um I wound up becoming, you know, a part of her team and later becoming the director of marketing for this specific organization. So my job was to bring in different people um, from all parts of the industry and have them attend these events, connect to one another and help one another. And at one of these events that I had, I had helped market was uh, attendee, an attendee by the name of Krista Wolf, who was the founder of MySpace.com. So they, they had just launched the product. You know, it was a product that was, uh, uh, just came right after Friendster, but it was specifically created and built with a mindset to be a social platform for creatives. So within that event, he talked to me about um, how all of the people at that specific event got invited um, and, and if I had any ideas to help launch or to uh, market their new platform, myspace.com, to artists 
because that's the audience that they were trying to reach. Within that uh, first meeting, I gave him, you know, very specific ideas of of how to reach artists, which was number one, create events with really great artists, not just the 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 established ones because you can't really reach them as an emerging uh, music company, but for newer artists as well. You know, providing support for their album releases their listening sessions in exchange for creating these events for them. And within that week, I had an event planned with this, with this, with a partner, his name was Jerry Mang, and we were launching the Apple song uh, music video specifically uh, that was, that was in Tagalog by the Black Eyed Peas. So MySpace became a sponsor of that event and they were very happy. They were very happy at all the celebrities and the artists that were in attendance. All of the Black Eyed Peas were there. You know, we had produced the music video um, with different people like Chad Hugo of the Neptunes, uh, Dante Bosco, these different artists and celebs. And we, we had a red carpet and, you know, the, the artists spoke and no. played the music video. This and at that, and that question. was that, oh, that, that became one of the, it's okay. That became one of the first MySpace.com events. And then from there, I started working with so, them. So um, when you said the Black Eyed Peas, was that during the time when Fergie was there or she wasn't there yet? She wasn't there yet. So this was, oh, no, no, this was at the start. So I've known them, you know, since probably 1999, before she had joined the group. But this specific album, she was already a part of. So she was at the event as well. So they they were happy to see that, you know, they took some photos with the band. They were always, there's also other DJs, other artists that were also connected with, um, you know, I integrated them to several of other events that I did. And that really was the catalyst to what drove us together. I started out uh, they were, uh, as a consultant, they were one of my clients, but then they asked me to join full-time and be the first person uh, there as in, in artist marketing specifically. So my specific job was to bring artists on so then that they would bring their fan bases on. And that's kind of an artist go-to market strategy uh, that I had developed with them. And so that was early on. That was like, they probably had maybe 15 people at the company at that time. Uh, that was 2004. There was only a couple of maybe 1 million people. We had 126 hip hop artists. So within two years, we had two, over 2 million. And that was my jurisdiction was mostly the urban artists. And then it expanded to leading the whole artist relations and marketing team within my, you know, nine and a half years there. Okay. And so how do you, um, uh, within, the, within the music, how do you know which one to pick to or to to market them so there's within the music industry it's very small you know it's a very knit community where there's a couple of factors that you can see i mean now it's really easy because before myspace there wasn't any platform that provided any visible digital stats right so you can kind of see them like the more friends they had the plays that they had on their profile that 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 probably means something it doesn't necessarily mean that they're great, but it means that there's a following and enough for you to consider to listen to it, you know, and then it, it pops up on a chart. And now it's the same thing with social media and Instagram or YouTube. If something has a lot of plays, there's an audience for it, right? So back before that even happened, um, you know, and, and it was available on a digital space, there's a music industry that existed of a and and a and are the people that go out and find these artists throughout the world um, that see something in somebody um, and, and a talent and um, being a DJ and, you know, playing, being somebody that chooses music specifically to create a vibe in a room 
or to create, you know, an experience where people are feeling good or feeling the music, you already know what type of music people want to hear. So uh, having that year since I was in elementary school, when I first started DJing, I could already know when a song is like a really good song that people will like and it could potentially be a single that's number one hearing the music and seeing that it's good second is live performance and anytime any artist wants a successful career they have to be great at at performing live so even if there's only three people in a room but you can see that talent early on and I've seen a lot of artists um, perform in small rooms as I've, I've also produced a lot of these events where there was only you know a couple hundred people in the room at the time and you see the audience react, you already know they're going to be, um, you know, j- they just need additional exposure to get more people to, to to get that feeling around them. So there's that. And then, then there's word of mouth, of course. Your friends that you trust in the music industry, you play them something, they hear it. And the more that your trusted network or they you hear about an artist, by the time you hear about an artist by the third time, you know that if the music industry is aware they have a following that come to, you know, pay to go watch them at a show or even go for free. Um, but like the Black Eyed Peas, they had a very cult college group following where people were coming to all of their college shows and they were selling out these rooms. So then, you know, they got the attention of, of, of a major record label. But that was my that was my job. Even before these these some of these artists had record deals, I would play them on our radio show and then or I would feature them on MySpace.com and then eventually that they would get signed. Okay. And so what, what motivate you to be in this industry? What motivated me to be in this industry is that I just always loved music. I've always loved the feeling of being able to play a song and, you know, ha- have that personify an emotion, whether it's making people feel good or making people feel understood if it was a sad song. I just always loved, you know, collecting songs and listening to the radio and and discovering that new song or discovering that new artist to share with other people. Um, I went through a lot of, you know, different, whether in college or, you know, my my early jobs and finding out exactly what I wanted to do in in the music industry. But the more that I worked with different companies, different artists, I always saw that there was an opportunity and a hole and a need for, for, for marketing support for for these type of um, either companies or, or, or talent that 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 need that. So it was really coming from a place from, you know, originally I wanted to be the DJ. I wanted to travel the world and just play music. And I just wanted and then it became I love being behind the scenes. I loved booking the DJs. I loved um, producing the events and putting other artists on stage. And then from there, it grew to how further how much further can can that happen? And now it's like it's, it's an amazing one. I can book an artist for an international radio station or a big music festival or a, a being on TV and they've never been on TV before. Um, just those just those those things that 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 excitement is, is, is what still drives me until this day of, of enjoying what I do. So um, how, how's the, the feeling being around this artist? Um... You know, do you um, do you switch to a different um, tune uh, as when you when you talk to them or when you're uh, doing tours with them? Um, it it all depends on the artist. You know, there's there's different. 
I always remain who I am, you know, 100% myself, you know, I'm from Walnut, California, I'm Filipino. <laughs> I have a, you know, a mom that I'm super close to my family. And I think that's what, you know, helps develop these close relationships with these artists. I don't really change uh, whether you're an emerging artist or whether you're um, a huge established artist, not to say that, you know, they're, they're, um, they're, they're, there's, there's still a, there's still a, I'm, I'm, I can't, I can't remember the phrasing, but, but no, the, 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 the interaction is very personal. Um, but every artist is, is, is different. So some artists like to be by themselves. They like to be introverted and they only come out when they do do interviews or they perform. And then there's other artists that are very, that need a lot of hands-on help. And like you become their best friend, you become their therapist and as well as their their manager, their, you know, you wear every, you know, hat in the book because you develop that super close relationship. So it all varies depending on the artist, just like with people, you know, there's different kinds of people who like to overly communicate. There's some art, some people that like to keep to themselves, you know, that really depends on, on, on the artist, but I've always been able to maintain close relationships from artists that were might've starting out to now be, you know, Grammy award winning, uh, arena selling out uh, artists because there was always that uh, a genuine friendship that started from the start with a lot of them. Okay, so um, how do you build the relationship here from the Philippines? Um, build the relationship with the artists from the Philippines, or what's your... both? What you... Yes, so so the artists in the Philippines or the um, uh, you know the um, the venues, things like that. So how do I build the relationship between the artists in the Philippines and United States venues and radio and all of that? Right, exactly. So okay. if a, a younger, a younger, um, a younger listener is listening to our podcast and you know they have these questions in their mind, like how does how does that uh, how does that process work? Sure. So you know, in the music industry, and if you're if you're young, this is what I learned early on. It's really about the relationships. So you know everybody that you meet at every event, whether it's a listening session, whether it's in college, in your group, whether it's your, your interning at a radio station. And, you know, you always keep those relationships with you because those different people, especially if they stick to careers, will be in different parts of the music industry, you know, especially your colleagues. So a lot of my MySpace.com colleagues, they work at the biggest music companies in the world now. They work at Spotify, they work at Apple, they work at, you know, Amazon, et cetera. So those relationships are there, they're built in. And then they already know your work. They already know that, you know, I've produced shows with Jay-Z or Rihanna or Justin Timberlake, and they were there. So when I come to them with a new artist, whether they're from the Philippines, they already know that there's going to be a certain caliber because I wouldn't bring just anybody to them. So regardless of where they're from, they're, they're, it's, it's coming from a trusted source that it would be an artist of caliber that they should be interested in. If they don't like the artist, it's okay. They always say no. But it's really those relationships that open the door to say, you know, listen to this. What do you think? Um, the, the relationships that are built with the artists in the Philippines, the ones that I work with specifically there are signed to ABS-CBN and, and Tarja Records that I work with specifically. So those artists, um, you know, when they come to the United States, I call those relationships, whether it's a radio station or a, a media outlet or the House of Blues or these venues, and, you know, it's a pitching phase. You, you, t you tell them who the artist is, what their social media following is. A lot of the artists that we work with, you know, th thankfully, they have a huge social followings. They have billboard charts in the Philippines to 
to show that they've already have an established career, but now they're just creating music in English or they're creating music with American producers or they have a certain sound that's now international. So it's an easier, um, it's an easier sell per, per se than just a brand new artist that has never had any sort of foot in the, in the music industry. So I would say it's for twofold. If you want to be an artist, you know, it's definitely, or if you want to be somebody that's behind the scenes in the music industry, it's always about the relationships. It's always about, you know, um, having that, 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 that group of people that you can turn to that will respond, you know, when you, when you're reaching out to, to support and developing a social currency, you know, you, you offer them help and they offer you help back when, when the time is needed and, and, and it'll continue to grow from, from there. Okay. We'll, we'll shift on a different question here. Now I've seen that on your site that you had uh, interviewed, uh, Justin Bieber, right? And mm-hmm. um, how was that experience for you? It was amazing. I mean, the, the, the funny thing about Justin Bieber is his manager, Scooter Braun, used to manage this artist named Asher Roth, who was very popular in MySpace. Um, and we did a couple of things with them. And Scooter uh, was messaging everybody about Justin Bieber when he first discovered him. He discovered him on YouTube. And then he had uh, gotten into contact with Justin Bieber by finding his mom on MySpace and the exchange information. He flew to Atlanta and the rest is history, right? He, Justin actually sang for Usher. He sang for Justin Timberlake and it was eventually Usher that was uh, the person behind him to, uh, to, to go into partnership with Scooter to create a label or, or production company. And then eventually Justin Bieber got silent, signed to, to, to Island Def Jam. Well, in that process, um, again, if you think about what we what we usually do and we're trying to get people to listen to pay attention to artists we call our friends in the music industry and so i was the head of artist relations at myspace.com scooters team had called um and asked if we could have justin bieber come by the office and um at the time he was he was fairly new he was he but i watched a video and i, I heard him sing neo and i thought he was amazing so i said sure he could come in i'll do the interview personally because we didn't really have any host staff you know we couldn't afford it at the time so he came to the office we did his first live stream ever um on online on this on this platform called live stream and I made him sing a couple of neo songs and there was you know thousands of people watching and he you know he stuck around at the office he, he threw on a myspace sweater he was playing basketball with the staff you know he was very new so he wasn't really media trained I don't think he even really knew what uh like doing an interview was right but within that span of the year uh, baby came out and I was hosting the Grammys for the CBS on the red carpet and then walk here here comes Justin Bieber walking down uh, the red carpet with his mom so it was really special so within a span of year you see how much an artist's life can change from that so that first interview was really an excitement it was really like wow like we're here we're at the grammys you know and, and then i made him sing on the spot neo and uh because that's you know why i had discovered him that's why we did the live stream in the office and then we were at the grammys and he sang that live on cbs and so it was very, a very 360 moment and then to see his career now all of these years continue to succeed i've, I've been to a couple of arena shows uh it's, it's always it's always amazing to see how far these artists take their careers. Um, and then to be that, you know, that first interview, it, it's, it's exciting. You know, a lot of those artists, it was similar. Drake, his first 
online interview I had done it you know Anderson Park I did his first TV TV interview so you know those moments in those careers lives of those artists uh, even when they're starting out is is always memorable um, and yeah I'll always take that as, as, as something that till this day uh, it still happens and I still get excited when when those artists experience those moments absolutely so um speaking of that um how has the music been uh revolutionized since you've been in in the game for so long um the music it, it's a lot easier now to release music so part of the reason they wanted to launch myspace.com is because before the only way that you can uh release music is if you were signed to a record label that record label then released it on physical cds and you they were they were distributed uh, usually just locally or regionally because you needed to have a big song or a big hit to then or ha have money to be distributed nationally, right? So, so for example, uh, in San Francisco had big artists like E-40 or like you had pockets of New York had their artists, um, but it wasn't really, you weren't really huge unless you got a song on the radio and you were able to get your song into all of these stores, like the warehouses, the Tower Records and all of this. The way that the music industry has changed is that now that, you know, we're even recording an interview on a, on a podcast app, right? So now anybody can just record a song and then automatically they work with a, a tune core or a distro kit and get their song up everywhere. Amazon, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, everywhere. So that's exciting for the artist because anyone and everyone can upload it, but then also anyone and everyone can upload it. So there's still, there's so much out there. And it's coming out every single day. There's uh, people don't have very short t attention spans. People discover music now on a TikTok video versus, you know, listening to it on the radio. Um, and, you know, when back in the day, it was very curated. So you got the best of the best, usually when you're listening to the radio or when, you know, you didn't get to that high level of success unless that happened. Now a song could have millions of plays on a TikTok video might not necessarily be the best song. But now, because it's so popular, that song's getting played on the radio and it's getting on the charts. You know, so it it, it it's 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 revolutionized in you know in a positive way you know, that the digital experience is a lot easier and people consume and get get music faster. But then you get a lot of bad with the good when 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 it's that accessible. Yeah, how how does one uh, balance that? Uh, like uh, someone, uh, you know, a person like you or or someone. Uh, it's uh, want to look for a good authentic uh, music or musician. I think, I mean, the, the, it just boils down to what, what I said in the beginning. It's, it's like, if the artist can, you know how great an artist is, number one, if they could write their own music, you know, if they could sing without auto-tune, if they perform and they, they give all, they can perform amazing you know, and when you put them in front of a crowd, whether it's one person or a thousand people, they still put in that same energy, you know. So I, th I think that's really how you how you stand apart. Uh, you, you grow slowly. You, you have to go. You, everybody has to know your name in your local town and then in your region and then in your state in order to then be nationally known and then to be internationally. You can't it's, it's really hard to just jump internationally or you could maybe off of social media but it really takes that for the authentic good artists like a her like a bruno mars like a lot of these artists started out locally just performing in small venues bruno was a you know uh, um elvis and uh elvis impersonator michael jackson impersonator in a small state like hawaii 
before moving to you know California and then songwriting for other artists and then he got his own album so it definitely takes you know per, to, takes time and it takes really owning the stage to be a superstar type of you know performing artist you can have a song you can have a song that that on on a TikTok or a SoundCloud or something like that, but to be a longevity career like a Bruno or a her that's performing at the Grammys, you really have to have great stage presence. You have to have great songwriting skills, or just have that amazing, unique voice. Um, if other people are doing the songwriting for you. Okay. Um, now, how did you uh, come across with GQ, or how did you guys cross each other's path? So GQ, I met in Miami for my good friend Sam. And so Semp, uh, he was, he was a, he, he had a record pool as well. So artists would come to him, independent artists, and then he would pitch them to get featured on MySpace. And then I also had this program called the official MySpace DJs. So I had different DJs in different states uh, be official and I would feature them on the homepage. So like DJ Khaled, um, DJ Feli Fell in LA, you know, DJ Vice, a lot of these uh, DJs would get featured um, on the homepage and then locally we would do a MySpace party with. So Semp uh, or Dennis, he told me about GQ in Miami specifically, said that some he's somebody that should be an official MySpace DJ. I listened to him. I watched um, his MySpace page and we did we did a few parties together. So he became our DJ when we did shows in Miami. Uh, we did a show with 3-6 Mafia. We did a show with DMX um, and and you know, I always loved the way that he performed live. Like, you know, he 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 he's such a great talent, and he changes music so fast that the the audience, you know, is is um is on their feet the whole time. But I loved having him open up for all of these shows. So every time I I went to Florida, whether it's for a Pitbull show or just to go to Winter Music Conference, he was a, he was the first person I called. And when we had a show in Chicago with Ti and Nick Cannon, um, I I flew him out with Sam to, to DJ our official MySpace party uh, with TI in Chicago. So he was one of those artists that we would have open up before uh, we had these big concerts throughout the country. Okay, so so that door is always open if you guys uh, collaborate or working on any projects in the future, right? Oh, definitely. And we just talked last week and, you know, he's releasing an EP and, yeah, forever, you know, he's, he's, he's going to be one of those people that we can always... Um, you know, it's a revolving door, whatever he's working on, I'm here to promote. And likewise, you know, I called him when we were looking to uh, promote our artist um, and, you know, bump up spins and try to help Sweeney when she had the new song for My Type and he connected me to people at the radio station. It's just a long, a long-term friendship in, in the music industry that's been genuine since day one. Yeah, and, and I think you touched this on already on a, on a different different topic. Um, what What... As, a, as artists, what do you think they should be providing their fans? As artists, what are you providing their fans? Well, number one, of course, good music. Good, like, um, music that they know that they love. You know, there's a lot of artists that go into the studio that record with producers, and then they listen to the song, and they don't really like the song. But they're like, okay, I, I want the producer or whoever says, you should release the song because people will love it. But artists know they should just release music that they love. If they don't love it, their fans aren't going to love it. Or if people love it, it's not going to be, you know, genuine. So I think number one, of course, is good music. Um, number two is, is being able to get behind the music, you know, learn, learn how the song was created. So maybe it's some stuff on social media where you don't, that, that as, a, and as a fan of them, you get to see 
behind the studio while they're recording music. Maybe it's a live stream Q&A, um, you know, and you get to know them a little bit more. But I think, you know, it starts with the music. And then secondly, is providing them with other content, with other, you know, fun stuff that they can be fans of so they can relate to you. I think we're gone from the days where, you know, back in back when I was younger, the, Janet Jackson or Michael Jackson, they're just so far out of reach. They're like, okay, these were the superstars and that's who they are. But in 2020, it's actually the opposite. You know, a lot of the artists that people love, like a Kehlani, like a, um, you know, again, I said her, they relate to them because they, they, they're very candid about what they go through in life. And this generation is very uh, anxious. You know, they go through a lot of depression. Now we're going through quarantine. So they want artists that are authentic, that are experiencing experiences like them. So they want to, to, to feel that as well. And that's what they should provide to their fans is any sort of authenticity that they can and relatable experiences so that those fans can, can, can utilize their music to help go through the good and the bad. Okay. Now, how, how are you... Um both how are you coping and handling the coronavirus is it stressful for you um it definitely what well, it definitely is in the beginning so so last year alone you know with our, our artist Diego Pascual we went from uh Toronto to London to Australia to Hawaii to the Philippines you name it so we were constantly traveling right and yeah. I was constantly back and forth from here to the Philippines where our corporate office are was and for probably the past 20 years I've been in and out of just just traveling and working like nonstop. When the coronavirus hit, it was literally the day before my birthday and I was planning a birthday and a concert and I had to cancel it. And I thought it was going to happen, you know, maybe a few weeks. They said a couple of months and then it would be gone. But after that, then, you know, we saw the seriousness that happened. People started really getting sick. People that I know were dying. Um, and then the music industry basically stopped. So no, So now our lives, you know, we're no longer touring. Um, our artists can't come here. Um, it's they can't do media other than uh, social media. And then our we also run a TV network, so we couldn't produce content uh, as frequently as we could. So across the board, you know, for me personally, it was a big shock. And, you know, I've worked again for for this for over twenty years, so to be halted like that was very challenging mentally. There were some days that. I would question, you know, whether or not I chose the right profession. Maybe I should have been a nurse, like my mom said, Um, just because, uh, you know, basically the the world stopped in a ways. And so as well as Coachella, we were planning some big things around music festivals and all of those events got canceled. I work with the LA Clippers, all of the NBA games got canceled. So and then you talk to your friends. My friends are booking agents. My friends are managers Mm -hmm. and they you know, booking agents, basically you go from from making millions of dollars to now you're not making anything because the artists aren't touring. So imagine that just like just being flipped and just not being able to do what you love and not being able to, um, you know, the artists, it's unsure of where their, their, their touring income will be there. So it's definitely flipped on the side and we had to, as a company, think of other ways to, to also make money. But just that in the business itself was hard but then second the mental challenge of dealing with that and then I have a lot of friends that are DJs and artists where they receive dopamine shots when they would perform live right when they would Mm -hmm. fly out every week to perform in Vegas or to perform at these events so when they're no longer having that now they're just at home it was hard to experience that and a lot of them took to alcohol some took to drugs some took to 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 the to, to um you know just being away from everybody and it took people 
checking in on one another to say like, no, we're okay. This is temporary and it's okay. But I think no matter what industry you're in, which, which I've realized is that during this pandemic, and especially if you're working from home or especially if your industry was cut, you start to question yourself because you've attached so much to what you do. You know, you're like, I was a whatever, a concert promoter. I was an artist. I was a DJ. So when that's taken out from you, you know, where do you, where, what, what's really left? You know, what, what do you really value? You know, when the money's low, do you really need all those cars? You know, so there's those different things that definitely are positive that come from it, but it's, it's mentally challenging and it still is mentally challenging every day um, to get up. You know, I've, I've gained probably 20 pounds from, from eating a lot and cooking and trying to do things that would make me feel good because I just didn't feel the energy to want to work out, but I know how important that is. So there's, 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 there's different roller coasters of emotion that, that, that I've went through, but I know everybody in the music industry is, industry is also experiencing where we're, we're, we're finally doing a shift now, you know, we're learning how to use platforms like Twitch. There's new platforms like stage it where they can, you can buy a ticket to watch somebody perform live. So the industry is adapting. They know that we might not return to uh, major live events or concerts until 2022. So, you know, with that comes new technology and you just have to adapt. You either adapt or you stay home and you're depressed and you gain a hundred pounds and then <laughs> you go yeah. flat girl. So, so yeah, you, you got to do the opposite. Yeah. That's uh, what everybody's going through. Absolutely. Um, you know, they're probably cooking more. Speaking of uh, food, what's your favorite Filipino dish? Ah, there's so many, um, but my two, I guess the go-to, yeah. Yeah, my go-to, of course. Well, chicken adobo obviously is the go-to, and when I want to, when I want to make Filipino food for somebody that's never tried it before, chicken adobo, uh, but caldereta and karakere. So caldereta is like a meat stew. It's mm-hmm. my mom. My mom's recipes are amazing, but you know, my boyfriend loves it too. He's he's African American, but everybody that's tried it has loved it. And then karekere is, is a unique peanut butter beef uh, dish, but also very good. The thing about Filipino food, it's very high in meat. It's very high in using oils. So you have to take it, you know, you can't do it every day like I was doing it. But I really took the time in quarantine to master my mom's recipes. And it feels amazing because I've never done that throughout my whole life. You know, I've always e- even just eaten out a lot because or got food delivered because uh, I was on the go so much. So it really felt great to learn a lot of those um, home-cooked recipes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, one can focus on that nowadays. Um, so with the uh, industry, where is most of the bulk of uh, the talent that you find in the U.S. or is or in, 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 in America, like in Canada and you mean US. where are they lo- where are they located? To, uh, to you, from your experience, where sure. where's the bulk of the talent that you've experienced? And you think you think from your from you know what you gather, like hey, you know this is the the prime. This is where the most. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, of course, the major cities. Um, I feel like Los Angeles is you know when it comes to music, there is no other city where you can you can go to an event and meet a producer and your life changes for a minute. You know, you've seen that with a lot of artists, Bruno meeting a lot of people, but just by moving here from Hawaii, but Los Angeles, New York, um, you know, those are, those are two betting spots, but, but a place that people might not think of a lot is, is Hawaii. So I love reggae music. I love Island music, but they have so much talent in Hawaii. 
you know, and they love music there. They love importing. They love when artists come there. They can change any song to like, you know, <laughs> uh, an island reggae song. And it, it sounds amazing. They could put Britney Spears with a reggae beat and then and they make it sound good. But yeah, I think um, my, my top three would be for sure L.A., uh, Hawaii and New York and of course you have pockets of people Canada's coming out with a lot of great music like groups like Manila Gray and then the Bay Area you know California Bay Area probably has ruled for so long recently with her with Sweetie with Pilo a lot of these great Bay Area artists are, are, are coming out and, and just remaining who they are and then you know showing that on a mainstream level okay so when, where can um our listeners and uh, uh, the people in Asiana Post, the community, uh, be able to reach out to you if uh, they're looking for interest in in who you are, your bio, your information. Sure. So, so my website is rosalync.com, R-O-S-L-Y-N-N-C.com. And there you'll connect to my YouTube, which is, and my Instagram, which is all the same, YouTube slash C and Instagram slash C. But I oversee a, a platform called Mix, M-Y-X. And so we really feature a lot of great talent. A majority of them are Filipino, but we also feature non-Filipino from around the world. So we have a radio station called Mix Radio on Dash Radio. So that's a free app, commercial free, amazing, about 80 radio stations. But ours is specifically, you know, R&B and hip hop from around the world, a majority of Filipino really great talent. We also have mixed TV, mixed TV in the Philippines is basically the MTV of the Philippines and the United States. I like to call us the Filipino BET. So we feature a lot of really great artists um, on mixed TV MYX TV on our YouTube, on our TV network, which is on direct TV, uh, spectrum Cox, etc. over 30 million homes. And then um, on our YouTube and our Instagram. And then we just joined Twitch and we just joined Kumu, which is another live stream app. So we do a lot of live stream shows. We have one this Friday uh, with, with, with an artist named Albert Postis. But our, our schedule changes every single day. We have new content on Mixed TV. But for me personally, it's, it's Rosalind C, R-O-S-L-Y-N-N-C on all uh, social media platforms. And then Mix for any great music content. Okay. So, and also for artists, newer upcoming artists, that's where they can reach you if they say... Uh, hey, you know, they're interested. Um, some are here in our community say, hey, they they want to reach out to you. They could just send an email to you, things like that. Sure. Yeah, my email is on my bio as well as, you know, our program director for Mixed Radio. I'll forward it over. So he controls all of the different music that gets played. We have a show called Heavy Rotation that features the best in hip hop and R&B from Filipinas across the globe. So we have different shows that cater to different um, artists and, you know, yeah, they can definitely submit their music to be considered for our radio station, for our TV network or our, our live stream shows. Okay. Well, uh, last question is that, um, is it more the, the, the artists that you come across with, is it more hip hop or uh, what genre is it? The Mostly of- it, the bulk of what we work with is R&B and pop and then hip hop. Okay, great, great. Um, well, I really want to appreciate your time. Uh, I know we had a lot of uh, questions for you. Um, there's probably tons of other questions in the future that our community wants to uh, send and, and ask you questions. Um, I look forward to talking to you again, and thank you so much for taking the time speaking with us.
no, thank you for having this platform. And I'm, I'm really honored to be here. And thank you, GQ, for introducing us. And I look forward to reading more on Isiana and listening to more of these interviews in the future. Thanks. Okay.